Answers with Dr. Reju is a platform where we take a more in-depth and intentional look into various life issues and bring clarification so we can navigate our way through with knowledge. Join us on Patrice Radio as we take this journey to discovery. Do remember to follow, like, and engage us on Instagram at Patrice underscore radio and also on YouTube via Patrice Radio Live. Thank you. Better Nigeria. Is it a myth or do we keep hoping? Nigeria is a highly religious country. How come corruption thrives? Why is adoption not encouraged in Nigeria? Is there a future for the Nigerian youth? Being rich and famous, is that the only drive to be an artist? What makes a great nation? Is it the leaders? What about the people? What about the people? This is Answers with Dr. Regis. With Dr. Regis. With Dr. Regis. Hi, my name is Onari. And this is Answers with Dr. Reju, where critical life issues are clarified. I have in the studio this evening my key panelist, Obi Brown, and Mr. Isaac Omoni, and our chief resource person, Dr. Reju himself. Now, last week we debuted the series on the family, and we made a promise to you, the listener, that we're going to continue exactly on the pivotal issue we're discussing on, which was the family as the cornerstone for societal transformation. We established that if society isn't panning out well or as expected, we should go back to the family, which has the wherewithal, the hope for that societal transformation. Now, this is where we left off last week. Dr. Reggie was saying, We have the radio to contend with. We have books to contend because those are entry points of another kind of value system. So parents need to be alive to their responsibilities. You know, like I said, maybe we're still going to talk about parenting too, specifically in this program. But the primary way of parenting is that there must be that willingness and the ability and, the, you know, seeing the necessity to be able to enter the world of your children. Now, that's an indicting statement in itself. Because you want to ask yourself, how come that the child has a world that's not yours? Hmm. Because that's what we say outside. We must be able to enter the world of our children. Where did they get the world from? Where did they get it from? So for me, I, I want to challenge parents. There is a, a, a you know, like a God-given responsibility. Nature bestows that authority. You know, it's a responsibility that comes loaded with authority. You know, that we need to be alive to that in a remarkably different way now. We need to focus really on that. Because you, are the, you have the opportunity of interacting with this child or with these children when they were nothing. All right. Uh, yeah. I'm almost sort of thinking that, well, well, the very first question we, we asked mm. was, was that family is the cornerstone. It's the cornerstone. But hearing all the answers you have given to our numerous questions is making me to think that family is all that matters in you know, creating value. Yeah, you know, if you say that, you are not far from the truth. It might not be all, but it's the trigger. Because society, the larger society, professionally, you know, any kind of other relationship that we even talk about marriage, we talk about any, those ones just put other layers on it. There is nothing to build on if the family didn't set, you know, the, the, you know, the foundation right. So, it, because where, wherever we go, 
we are maybe maybe for the purpose of this program, I, I will say that we are going to some other secondary families, but the primary family, which is where we were born into, you know, it it, it matters. That's why you see that, you know, in psychology or in social sciences, you you discover that there's always a direct relationship between criminals and dysfunctional families. When the family is dysfunctional, if you go to a jailhouse and you interview everybody there, regardless of the crime, you will directly link it to something that went wrong, you know, from the home front. People from broken homes, there is a likelihood they will go into crime. There is a likelihood they might find themselves in prostitution. So sometimes we look at prostitution as maybe economic. The economic challenge might be due to a broken home or to a dysfunctional home. You know, because in our, you know, in our setting here, we don't have statistics, you know. And you, you, you don't really see marriages that, that, you know, that break or being announced or whatever. We don't, you know, I've always said it that we don't divorce in Nigeria. Marriages implode. They're still living together, but there's really nothing happening. Mm. There's no more union there. You know, so there's always... So family, if you say it's the main, or maybe it's all that is, honestly, you might not be far from the truth because it affects every other thing. If you, if you talk to a child from day one, if the value you are trying to inculcate in that child is never take what doesn't belong to you, you might be producing a politician who will never steal government money. If that's what you inculcate in that child, and every time he takes what doesn't belong to him or her, there is punishment, there is consequence. You might be producing something that's rare, which is an honest politician. Because that child will go to school, right? He or she will see others who take what doesn't belong to them and get away with it. But one thing I've seen over the years is that when a child has been taught not to do that, when the child gets involved with that, he's the only one that will be caught. Because he doesn't know, he doesn't know the ropes. So once the child is groomed that way, he might be 40 years old, 50 years old, from, you know, whatever. That thing is ingrained. And he doesn't see the reason why he should take whatever, you know, what doesn't belong to him. And because you don't just say that without the love. When the child has a genuine need, are the needs met? So when the child can see that, oh, there's a better way for needs to be met rather than taking what doesn't belong to me. Because every child has a tendency to go off on a tangent, but the parent, like I said, they create the boundary. The question that I was thinking about was um, how, you know, while we're still talking about this issue of pluralism. Okay. Let me talk about okay. pluralism in the sense of different values. Okay even in the same society or right. in a small community okay now so uh what i'm thinking is that different value systems come from different family values okay right so for instance if in secondary school you talk about peer pressure mm -hmm. that means that a child is it's possible for a child to take on a value system of the peers around him mm. but those peers came from families absolutely right absolutely so, the question I want to find out is that where did those families now get their own values from? This is a fantastic question, you know, because again, it takes me back to trying to redefine stuff. Okay. Right? Because there's times when we don't know where the family, the family we're talking about now, whether this family, this man and woman who is, who is initiating this family, 
they have been also products of something that is not too accurate. You know, I was sharing with you guys, you know, before we came on air that I was in a program and one of the questions that came up is that this young girl, you know, asked the question, how do I, you know, relate with my mother when she always tells me that don't tell daddy that this is how much we bought this stuff. Right? Now, that's a, that's a whole... But you now know that that mother, you'll be, you, you know, it won't be a surprise that she learned that to, from somewhere. Right? If the mother is telling the daughter that, tell daddy that this is how much we bought this thing, could you rather know that it's not true? The reason they are keeping that secret is because there's something in the heart of that mother that is saying that we are doing something wrong. Mm. The daughter is having issues with it, you know, because she knows that she might not have seen any other place where things are done differently, but there is a sense of rightness that is that is written in everybody's conscience. Yeah. So that's that's so what family really is, Obi, is that you know the way family ought to be, everybody knows. These things are there. There's no family, even if they are stealing, that they will say stealing is good. They might be stealing, but they will never say stealing is good because everybody knows that stealing is not good. So it may, maybe in that kind of sense, they might want to call stealing. Say it's been smart. <laughs> but, but, you know, in the, in the days of this pluralism, it is the time, as far as I'm concerned, for families who still believe in this traditional, authentic, accurate values to speak louder. To speak louder. The pricing will continue. It will continue. But those who are doing the right, when light shows up, darkness doesn't argue. Darkness does not argue. Every, the thief knows he's done something or that's why he does it in secret. Dr. Red, <laughs> let me ask, are families out there, new ones and ones that are presently, you know, in a family and dysfunctional in that mm -hmm. family, are they learning enough? Are there places they can learn? You can learn on the job when you get a good job and have career development from there. Do we have where families can actually learn to be good families? You, you know, I mean, this program offers such a platform by what we are discussing, you know, because we need to appreciate the fact that there are some out there, they've, they've never really been in family. They don't even know what it's all about. True. But they are hearing now that really for any kind of union, any kind of community to be considered as family, this and this and this and this and this must be in place. So, I mean, this program now offers a situation where the person, will, oh, okay, let me appraise what I have here, whether mm -hmm. this is really it. You know, so it, it, it's so necessary. And honestly, today, Honori, you are right. There are people out there, they have never really, you know, had any kind of thing that has to do with family. They've never seen love. They've never seen discipline. They've never seen reward for good conduct. They've never seen a situation where they bring home a good result and the parent is dancing shuffle. You know, that kind of a thing. You know, so, but they're there. But I also believe that nature abhors a vacuum. Everybody at certain point in time, you will have that opportunity. Just like somebody might be listening right now. To know, we might not be able to give you the whole picture, but know that, okay, so there's something better than what I have that I can actually access. And such people, maybe you need 
to be talked to. You, you can call this program right. and we can actually set up a meeting with you and begin, you know, and then hear your story. Because if we don't go back to family values, society will continue to go off on a tangent. All right. Mr. Moni. Well, Dr. Reju, when we look at the plurality of, this, of our society, we see that, as you were talking, we discovered that uh, values still come from families. Yeah. Then how, how then do we, does, does the family now either re-emphasize or de-emphasize the issue of tribalism, knowing fully well that different tribes in our society, when certain issues comes up, kind of fan of certain tribes. You know, those tribal sentiments, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I would say on a general level, if for the sake of appraisal, I don't think our families in Nigeria, I don't think we've done well in terms of fanning the flame of tribal sentiments, you know, but I will say this in their favor, you know, that in trying to emphasize who we are, the intention is not to, you know, de-emphasize who the other person is. If maybe maybe in a Hausa family or an Igbo family, you are trying to inculcate in your child that we are Igbos and this is who we are. This is what we stand for. Because one thing children need or every human being need is a strong sense of identity. Because you won't be able to interact with people who are not like you if you are not strong in terms of who you are, you know. But many times, it sort of translates into a situation where there's a level of, you know, it brings like a phobia, you know, that the way you relate with other people, that we are, we are Igbos, we are Yorubas, we are Hausas, we are, not, we are not like these people. True. But that you are not like them doesn't mean there's no point of contact. Because if I bring my Ijoness and you bring your Yorubaness, if she brings her whatever, <laughs> Ness. I'm from River. Let's clear this on this program. Dr. Edwin, I'm from River State. <laughs> River State is I'm from, not a we are just, and I'm starting somewhere. I'm from Opobo. Okay, you uh, bring your Opobo-ness. Uh -huh. <laughs> if you bring your Opobo-ness, there is, we're in this room now. We're all from different tribes. But the point that I want to make is that families are not doing anything wrong but trying to inculcate a sense of somebodiness, borrowing the words of Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> he said the mother gave him a sense of somebodiness. You know, you need that to be able to interact with others. But you see, the strength, the real, we know that the real job has been done when you can also see, relate with somebody who are not like you. That's really when somebody is civilized. So it, it, it's, it's sad that in our own situation, in trying to raise, I mean, inculcate that sense of identity in our people, we have also said it in that same phrase that these ones are not to be, don't trust this one, don't trust. That's not right. That is, that we, because we are looking at our own family as if we are the whole society, you know, but we are not. We are not. Even if we don't move with other tribes in Nigeria or in Africa, you are going to move maybe with people from other races because this is where even racism starts from. You know, when a white man or a black man believes that anybody who is not of your skin pigmentation 
it's not somebody that you want to be free with. It's not, it's not somebody you want to relate with. You know, it sort of destroys society. No tree can make a forest. No one tribe can make a society, can make a nation. So what are we challenge is that families need to begin to talk more nationhood. Especially for our nation, Nigeria. We should be able to be given not just a world view, but a nation view. A nation view from, from you know, we're trying to do that. I think I mentioned that on this program before. We're trying to do that in our school. When you come into our school, you know, you, you don't, there is no place in our form for state of origin. And it's deliberate. Because one, we don't want the Femi to situate Sichuku Emeka or Wadamu as different from me. It's something, you know, it's our own little way of actually building nationhood. So we, to fund tribalism, you know, is to create a foundation for chaos. Because when the effect starts coming, everybody's going to suffer for it. Mm. So it's of no use trying to, you know, train your child to be afraid or to, be, to become arrogant to others. And I think you also mentioned something about maybe you, you go to school and there is peer pressure where somebody has been taught that way. And the, you, know, you know, my own prescription is this. I want to train those that I have the opportunity of training about peer pressure, but not portraying them as the victim. But they are the peer that can pressure. It's a totally different way of looking at this thing. You see, the way we've always trained peer pressure, we raise wimps. We raise weaklings. You've already prepared the mind of the child that there's something out there that's, that, that's superior to you. You know, real families don't... Where I grew up, you can't go outside. I'm not saying fight is good, but they're trying to teach you confidence. Where I grew up, you go outside and you fight, you can't cry home. <laughs> if you cry home, they beat you and say, go back there and make the point. That's how they build bold people. That's why I subscribe. I'm a fan of boarding school where people are tough. If you're tough, I'm tough. Everybody, you know, they, they <laughs> recognize their, their limits. I'm not, that's not violence. But we have a generation and a group of wimps. Somebody posts something on Facebook and call you a, that your nose is big. You're going to commit suicide. <laughs> that brings me to my question. <laughs> Honestly, it does. Because I had just been thinking about it. Lots of times when you read um, maybe um, write-ups in demography, right? Yeah. You hear them talk about different generations. You hear about the baby boomers, mm -hmm. about mm. generation X, mm. you hear about the millennials. Mm. And every time you talk about these different generations that's having different values. Mm. So I'm asking myself, how did they get there? Exactly. I mean, how does a generation who gives birth to millennials have different values from the millennials? So perhaps the question is, what other sources of values are there right that um sort of add to this to children to or to a, a subsequent generation that also they sort of lose it mm. yes. you know in the beginning it is a family community is a community that set up the schools in fact most of the parents also teach in the schools as societies evolve people get busy here and there economic activities grow and then we get further and further and further away from that route and if we get to a point where we don't have anything to draw on we have to define something that's where it starts from hmm. you know so we must never forget where we're coming from even the way you asked your question you know that there's something wrong with that how come a people of high values produce people who are just a group of 
you know, all commerce. If I get you right, yeah. are you saying values should be strong enough to be passed from baby boom, Y, Z you know, to millennials? They should be is, that strong. They if, can't. Exactly. Or perhaps. Exactly. People didn't take the values very seriously. Absolutely. At certain point, somebody got irresponsible. What you learned, you are not passing it on. It's like a relay race, right? I mean, you're running, I mean, you're on the third leg and you have a button in your, you know, in your, in your pocket. And before the person gets to you, remove the one and running, you, you won't, you won't get, you, the same button that started it from the first batch is the one you present at the end. That's the way values are. Can we use companies like Coca-Cola has been there for like ever because they have like things that they don't break, secrets and all those things that they don't break. Can we transcend that to... a very wonderful example. The recipe is the most valued asset of Coca-Cola because the taste of Coca-Cola in Singapore must be the taste in Zambia. Hmm. Because that recipe is the same. You can't say, okay, we are Zambians. We are going to add... Pepe. You can't say that. So values... And you know, values get better. They get more refined as they pass generations. But sometimes we just feel, oh, somebody comes and says, no, that's off. You know, you're not really... You know, like I hear, you know, your parents are telling you, are you a baby? Ooh. They want to kill you. They want to kill you mm. because if if you can get to a point where you no longer value instructions, you are you are disconnected from life. You are disconnected from life. That's a recipe for destruction. That's a recipe for abortion of destiny. So you, we we must understand these things. There are some things we don't outgrow. There are some things we don't outgrow. Societies that are that are well structured. You know, like I was listening to Obama yesterday when he was giving his um, speech at the General Assembly and he said some things that democracy is tough. It's not for the wimps. It's very tough that you are president and there are some things you cannot do. You don't have absolute powers. It's tough. You, you are well intended, but in a, in a particular case where you just mouth democracy and you can, you can just destroy your people, then you are a weakling. That you are a wimp. You know, life is difficult. But values make it livable. Once we no longer value those kind of things that are sacrosanct, that are, that are foundational, we, we're just saying that, it, that we want the house to collapse. And it will. It will. You know? Okay. We've come to the end of this episode, but I'm sure we will, you know, find other uh, segments of this particular topic to continue with. To, a take home for us is that... Um, Family is a cornerstone of every society and um, we should emphasize on values rather Absolutely. than on tribes yeah. and that we should, um, values can and should never be diluted. They should always transcend. Thank you, Dr. Reju. It's been an interesting time at the studio. Thank today. you very much. And let me use the opportunity to say that, I mean, if you really want to have a time out with us, if you want to have, you know, maybe like a face-to-face -face kind of thing, especially when we discuss this family issue, yeah, please maybe you want to send a text and you can schedule an appointment with any one of us or even me and then we can actually you know talk face to face yes you can call us on 081-4456-9000 Mr. Omoniyi Obi Brown it's good having you the peace sign again okay <laughs> peace we'll see you guys next week join us again on Answers with Dr. Reju where critical life issues are clarified